Sports Minutes with Elliot Danker and Ziaul Roshan. On the spot question, how many of your ex-girlfriends have told you this? Ziaul Roshan! <laughs> <laughs> I know you like to throw firecrackers at me, but that's one spicy way to start. Is it too late to apologize? That's what we're going to be discussing on Sports Minutes today. And this, of course, is in reference to what happened over the weekend. Uh, if you're a Spurs fan, you'll be going, wow, uh, so lucky. If you're a Liverpool fan, naturally, you'll be crying. Hey, this is injustice. So the PGMOL admitted that uh, VAR official Darren England and assistant Dan Cook failed to act after Luis Diaz's 34th minute strike at Tottenham was wrongly ruled out for offside. Lots of steel images coming out. Cristian Romero clearly playing DS onside. The disallowed goal came when the match was level, but the Reds went down to 10 men. Quite unfortunate for Curtis Jones. Uh, and of course, uh, and everything kind of spiraled out of control. Yeah, it certainly spiraled out of control. I think we are talking about the offside decision in isolation and judging by PGMOL's response, they clearly made a mistake. But here's what Gary Neville and Jamie Redknapp had to say about it on Sky Sports. That is unbelievable. That is a bad one. Though. Really, really. I mean, they said significant. That is very significant. And I think to it be fair... It makes you wonder how many others have got. Oh, no. I, I, there's a couple in the last few weeks that I just thought haven't yeah. been right. And I've been actually asking us, have we got the right cameras at these stadiums? I've defended VAR and offsides as being a matter of fact. But there's been two or three in the last few weeks where I've been behind the scenes thought, that doesn't feel right. The angle's not right. Have they drawn the lines on? And to me, that one, that, I mean, oh, no. Big moment in the game, opportunity to go 1-0 up. It's just a horrendous error. It's, it's, hor- it's horrendous. That's a horrendous one because I can see times whereby you've got lots of players in the way and you might have drawn it on the wrong shoulder. That is clearly Romero's foot and it's clearly Diaz's um, shoulder. It's clear for everybody. There's only two players in shot. There's loads of space. There's not like a collection of players in line. But I, I still keep saying over these last few weeks, something hasn't been right. I've been like thinking, we always used to have like cameras in line with offsides at every point in the stadium. And it's almost as if like now, there's like no cameras are in line. It's like, it's like what they're doing, they, they, they're picking the wrong cameras to even do the, the lines on. It's just weird. Ex-professional footballers Jamie Ritnap and Gary Neville speaking there after the match and after how that disallowed goal led to Liverpool eventually losing 2-1. You can't say it's because they were down to 10 men. It could have completely changed the game. Yeah, it could have, exactly like you say, right? They could have taken the lead and it would have been an entirely different game. We talk about statements. Liverpool have released their own strongly worded statement saying, Liverpool Football Club acknowledges PGMOL's admission of their failures. It is clear that the correct application of the laws of the game did not occur, resulting in sporting integrity being undermined. And I think that's key, right? Because we talk about the lack of consistency. Right now, the credibility itself is being questioned in terms of these decisions. And it's a massive, massive talking point for Liverpool. Let's get into it. You know, talking about the credibility of uh, these decisions that were made. Um, I feel like you saw the match. I only saw highlights, I have to admit. Uh, Did anyone actually get it right during this series of motions? I've got some comments. I feel the offside decision, it's black or white. He clearly was onside. It was given as offside. So that was completely wrong in terms the of the referee. The had his flag down. I think that's because in this day he and wasn't age, sure. they wait for the play to be completed before they conduct the yes. the the decision, right? Yes. So to speak. So I don't think the linesman takes blame in this, but I feel like they came to that decision almost too soon in that sense because VR 
they tend to need to take their time to draw those lines. I, I agree slash debate, not disagree. I feel that, and the reason I brought the linesman was because I thought he was the only one that did anything right. Mm. If he wasn't sure, he put his flag down. Okay, fine. You can lean on VAR. You joke and mention how VAR should be allowed to take its time to make these decisions. And I think that's the problem right there, right? Checking process, checking mm. complete. Look, if someone there, say the linesman, knew that it was clearly on side, then just say, hey, it's a goal. Exactly. And then let it be disputed after that. Exactly. I, I think you're on to something in terms of just making the decision and then letting VAR almost check, counterbalance it, right, in that sense. And I, I feel like there's no need to rush these sort of decisions. Like, right. we we are now very accustomed to five, eight minutes of stoppage, stoppage time. time. So yeah. it's completely fine to take your time and not rush these decisions. I know a lot has been said about Curtis Jones' red card potentially being controversial, but I feel... I, I think it's a separation. Exactly. Yeah. And and if anything, it is a red card offence as, as harsh as it may well, have been. Jürgen Klopp's not really arguing that point as well. Exactly. And I, I think it's the circumstance in terms of Spurs then going on to score in 90 plus six minutes to sure, steal all sure. three points it almost exacerbates how Klopp second time this season exactly <laughs> it is painful and especially when you consider Liverpool yeah. are very much in the title race yeah, sure. losing three points in such acrimonious circumstances are not going to sit well with them I do think it's time for the refereeing body to look back upon themselves and see how they can do this better because I always thought VAR was here to solve issues, it seems like it's giving us more issues to talk about. Well, I think that's the problem with VAR and, and I've always been on the fence on VAR because as long as it makes things exciting as a fan and that's not fair, uh, but if it's exciting to me as a fan, great. And when it's not, you get angry, but then why do I need VAR to do this when pre-VAR days, Sepp Blatter used to say, and, you know, we don't really speak of him that highly given all the controversies after, but that was the excitement of football, mm. the opportunity for human error. Having said that, you have so much money in advertising that you're taking in uh, this Premier League organisation Essentially, VAR isn't really artificial intelligence when I see only humans making the error. Humans are in the back room. So why not invest in the artificial intelligence to draw better lines so that when, for example, Eric Ten Hag says wrong angle, the computer says, no, you've got the wrong angle. Yeah, I think the AI solution is one that's been mentioned in Formula One as well. A couple of weeks ago, Lewis Hamilton said, if you want consistencies in decision, get AI to make those decisions yeah. for you because there's no question of impartiality there's almost, no right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, and I think that's important. One more thing perhaps the organisation can consider is I feel like maybe the managers and the coaching staff should get one right of refusal almost. You know, in tennis, when they, the tennis players get to question a decision and then it's rechecked rather than taken at face value. So mm. in this instance, VAR made the decision, the game went on. But if, for example, Jurgen Klopp had a card to play where he wants to contest that decision and then they would have checked it again. You see this in tennis in a sense where if the ball has crossed the line or within the line, some players can contest a decision up sure. to three times in a match. Perhaps sure. that's something that would give some credibility and instead of own self, check own self, let the opposing team check the decision for you. I think that's a fair uh, point to bring up, worth exploring. I don't see any harm there, but who am I to say that? I also think, you know, the referees and how you check uh, is also quite important. Mm. The moment I go to the box and if I'm looking at it in slow-mo, my mind is already going psychologically, hey, there could be something different that I need to watch out for. Do you subconsciously end up telling yourself, watch out? Mm. But if I look at the replay in real time first, and then I do the slow-mo, could that 
help you come to a better decision, a more calculated decision. I, I think so. And you use the word calculated. I'm going to go for another C word and that's context, right? The real okay. time will give you more context okay. to how the incident occurred and that would perhaps account for a yeah. better decision to be made. Understanding the full picture, like yeah. you say, but... Again, Maybe don't even tell them check for potential offside. Look at it again. Yeah. And you're a referee, you're in that real yeah. time. You I, can judge for yourself. I, I feel these things have to do with fouls that are off the ball or maybe on the ball. But mm. with something like offside, it should be black or white. And that's why I take your AI solution very seriously because yeah. it's it's there's no grey area. It's yeah. either you're offside or not. Yeah. Offside, a ball playing part of your body is offside or yeah. not. And with Howard Webb, who <laughs> I respect very much as a referee running this organisation, you'd expect that... Right now, there are conversations being had to to iron out the processes. And yes, we thought VAR would negate human error and give us less talking points. It's clearly done exactly the opposite. But the beauty of it is there is technology to help and hopefully they harness it enough to try and get to come to grips with this because it's not fair to the players, the coaching staff or the fans that they are robbed of such situations. Well, this conversation, we can go on forever, but the truth is it'll only come back at the end of the season if Liverpool lose a league by three points or more. <laughs> yeah. uh, Amen. And, <laughs> and, and it's quite upsetting because they are in the title race. But, uh, you know, we were talking off air and this is something uh, that you and I might have joked about. Uh, one team that is certainly in the title race and might have lost out on three points is a certain Manchester City. In fact, it was the first time in, I don't know, what, seven years or something like that, that uh, both Manchester yes. clubs have lost. And, and that's all City's doing because Manchester United lose all the time. But to your I... point, the only saving grace that Liverpool can take from this difficult situation is their immediate title rival lost points as well. And it's even more funny that City losing story because apparently Pep Guardiola forgot the striker's name in the pre-match press conference. Especially up front with uh, Neto, with Cunha, with uh, the Korean guy and... They are really, really good. Okay, this is just for fun. We're just having this. No one is out to penalize Pep for forgetting his name, but uh, Wolves did take the mickey out of it when uh, that Korean guy <laughs> scored uh, and tweeted, hey, that Korean guy. Yeah, we talk about storylines after games, right? The previous game was all about VAR. I like this one because there's banter between both clubs and no one expected Wolves to beat Man City. Granted, Pep Guardiola wasn't on the sidelines. He's already accumulated yep. three yellow cards and he's sitting up in the stands. But it's funny how it's the Korean guy that came back and caused City all that misery. So we picked up on it in terms of a storyline. But I think in the wider perspective, City missing Rodri is going to be a big, big problem because they didn't get a foothold in that match at all. It's certainly shown. Uh, by the way, that Korean guy's name is uh, Huang Hee Chan before we get into trouble. Um, <laughs> he is... Uh, He's kind of an attacking midfielder slash striker. Uh, has been with Wolves uh, last season. Was on loan. Uh, formerly Abe uh, Salzburg, uh, Leipzig as well. Played for Hamburg. Uh, quite a great player. But um, it's interesting to, to point out Huang Hee Chan because for the longest time that Korean guy was Son Hyung Min, mm, mm. and and now we have another one in the mix. And it's nice to see that. Although, yeah, <laughs> I certainly hope Pep won't forget his name again in the future. I think for Pep's sake, hopefully he doesn't. But up next for Pep is that Spanish guy in Mikel Arteta. So City need to get their act together because we talk about them being in a title race. I don't think they can afford two back-to-back defeats and Arsenal looking good nick as well. Yeah, uh, but you know, it's it's Manchester City. They will eventually sort itself out. 
out. I mean, this is the whole reason why. And, and it's like Pep said in the press conference, hey, we didn't lose the league today. We lost three mm. points, okay? We didn't... We, and he, I, I like how he doesn't comment on refereeing decisions because he even added on by saying, and I quite respect him for saying it this way, uh, we don't win the league because of referees. We win the league because, you know, we play well. And that's excellent perspective, right? Talking about not playing well uh, is uh, a guy who is trying his best to apologise to fans, um, you and I included, uh, Manchester United's Eric Ten Hag beating Crystal Palace in the Carabao Cup or the League Cup in the middle of the weekend and losing 1-0 uh, over the weekend. Uh, things are getting from bad to worse. Yeah, feels like Groundhog Day and as Mason Mount and Eric Ten Hag are telling us right here, they're trying to make things right, but it's just not working out. Yeah, frustration. Um, we want to win these games. We know we need to win these games. And it's been a difficult start, so... Um, yeah, when you go 1-0 down, it's always going to be hard to get back in the game. And I think we tried. We, we tried to create. We, we had a few chances, but um, yeah, it wasn't enough. And obviously, we now we need to go back and look at the areas that we need to improve on. And, and we need to improve because we want to win games and we want to, every competition we're in, we want to we go right to the end. So, um, yeah, it's a, as I said, it's a tough one to take. Yeah, very disappointing, of course, when you concede only three chances, three from set plays. And one is in, and it was so avoidable. And then uh, we were so often in their half, not only in their half, we came also in the right positions in their half. But then and towards the goal, uh, we were poor in decision making. And especially for the fans, uh, it's frustrating. Uh, but for us as well, for the players, for me, yeah. And you know, we have to stick together and fight together and yeah, get better, uh, make sure uh, we get improvement in. Now, Elliot, we started this suggesting it's too late to apologise. My question to you as a Manchester United fan is, do you accept that apology from Eric Ten Hag and where to from here? I don't need an apology, to be honest, right now. I mean, I accept the situation that United are in. You consider the amount of injuries that we've got and it's just an unfortunate roll of the dice that we started the season badly again. I really, in fact, right now, as I sit down here, I really hope that it doesn't lead to Ten Hag getting sacked because I still feel that is this isn't quite the team that he wants to put together. Uh, and it's never easy in your second season. Yeah, I think the second season syndrome is quite real. But I like what you say about accepting reality, right? I think as a Manchester United fan myself, I'm trying to recalibrate my reality that even top four might be difficult because there are at least eight teams who play better football than Manchester United in the league. So based on merit, we perhaps are getting what we deserve. But... I hope Eric Ten Hag gets some time. Yeah, it's all an evolution, right? So give Ten Hag, if you gave Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, what, two, three years, and he was heavily criticised, I hope uh, Ten Hag gets the same amount of time. I mean, look at Maurizio Pochentino, who everyone says is an excellent coach. Why is he struggling at Chelsea? Um, and I certainly hope he gets the time as well. Yeah, the scrutiny is just tenfold when you support a club like Manchester United or manage a club like Manchester United. So the scrutiny is crazy, but I hope the decision Decision makers don't cave and Ten Hag gets the time he deserves. He needs, a, he needs a striker, Ten Hag, a proper striker. And I think that Korean guy. <laughs> that Korean guy might just work out. Sports minutes on Money FM 89.3.